Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. BBN, welcome in to Believe in Kentucky. Glad to have y'all along for another episode. We got a good one in here. Doing it on a late night, late Thursday night episode. We got a guy that's all over the airwaves in Lexington. You hear him on ESPN Radio in Lexington, WLXG, 96.1 The Zone, a little bit of TV as well. Look, man, this guy's doing everything. We're talking about Angelo Carriero. Man, Angelo, should have had you on here way before now. Appreciate you hopping on, man. What's going on? Hey, there's an old saying, better late than never. And this is one of those times for me. I appreciate it. The, the TV thing, it, it's, it's, I dipped my toe in the television water. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be up for an Emmy anytime soon, but maybe in a couple of years, maybe I can get there. That's right. That's right. So like, man, high school, football and basketball, UK stuff, bingo stuff. I mean, you, you covering all levels, man. I, I, I enjoyed a lot. Obviously, anybody that grew up a sports fan like you and I, is, it's it's you know opportunities and dreams that come true for us. That, that that's a lot of fun. And the only bad thing about it, uh, Vinny, is that I haven't been able to cover this Bengals team because of the locker room access. Obviously, I'm in Lexington. They're in Cincinnati. The day to day is uh, obviously much much tougher for. So for, for the distance for me to do. So the last time I was in the locker room with the Bengals, I, Andy Dalton was there. Oh, wow. AJ, AJ Green was there. Mm. Uh, you know, Cedric Abui was there. It was, a, it was, a, it feels like teams of past your, like it's, it, it's amazing. The only player that I can think of off the top of my head that I've ever even like interviewed or been around is probably Joe Mixon. That's how that's how much of an undertaking this team has gone in its short time. I also covered CJ Ozama uh, when he was there. Actually, when he was an undrafted, I believe he was an undrafted free agent coming out of Auburn. He was a guy that when I was very first starting, I, I didn't even have press passes. Uh, my boss, uh, Sean C at WLXG, allowed me to just go to training camp, report from there, and I would go as a fan. But I remember identifying Uzama early on and being like, this guy's got a little more than just, you know, a a practice squad body, you know, like a training camp body. And he's proven to be one of Joe Burrow's favorite targets this year. So that that, there's a little connection to this team, but it's since 2019, you know, once COVID hit it, this team has gone under a huge undertaking. uh, One I didn't expect to lead to a Super Bowl in year two. Oh, see, and you cover them and they surprised you with this run. So, it, you know, making the playoffs. Hey, that's that's great for that's that would have been a success. All right, you you end the the playoff losing streak drought. Win your first game in in three decades. Okay, great. And you you parlay that into going down to Nashville and going knocking off the number one seed Titans. Oh, okay. There's no way they're gonna beat the Chiefs. You go on out to Kansas City and beat the Chiefs and win the AFC. So I mean, unbelievable. And now you're you know. 60 minutes away from 
bringing the Lombardi to Cincinnati. Ooh. I, I'm not sure if, especially Lexington Bengals fans, if they ever would have expected it to happen in their lifetime, let alone this quickly after, you know, drafting Joe, Joe Shiesty. That's it. That's it. I'm, and I'm, which, you know, the Bengals are the unofficial official team of most of Kentucky, you know, especially Central Kentucky, Lexington on up. It's, it's Bengals, it's Reds, and uh, so I never, I never was a Bengals fan, but of course, you know, everybody that the long suffering fans of Kentucky I and mean, you've seen them lose two Super Bowls to the 49ers. Uh, I mean, we'll have to get, I mean, I know you're going to pick the Bengals to win. Are you, but did you grow up a Bengals fan or just I, covering them or? I'm actually a Packers fan. Oh, oh. I'm a, I am a Green Bay. You're a Cowboys fan, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah see, I uh, which sorry for all the losses the Packers have dealt you over the years. I know it's hard, but you know it's hey, 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 hey. I'm just, I'm just saying. No, I, I am, I want to make some extra money. How about you invest it in an exciting asset that's outpaced the S and P 500 by 164 percent for 25 years? I'm talking about art. Masterworks is the new investing app that lets you invest in blue chip paintings from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol without needing millions. Over 300,000 people have already signed up. Get priority access with our unique promo. Log on to masterworks.art slash believe. That's masterworks.art slash believe. B-L-E-A-V. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclosures i well one my my this is a fun little you know you know how things sometimes just happen like happenstance of situations it just so happened that my grandfather grew up playing football with joe burrow's grandfather in nebraska oh, yeah. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I actually sat with his grandfather, his mom, his dad, and his girlfriend at the week one Cincinnati-Minnesota game. We all sat together and watched that game. It just so happened that they that they grew up together and had that connection. So it, th- this game, it, 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 it meant a lot to my grandfather. That's something about, you know, southeastern Nebraskan people that they have a lot of, you know, small town pride and very proud of where they come from and what they've done. So he followed he my grandfather was watching Joe Burrow when he was getting garbage time at Ohio State. Like mm-hmm. he would go out of his way to watch it because it was his friend, high school friends, you know, grandson. Wow. And for him to just go from that to being the a national champion, a number one overall pick, to now a Super Bowl starter. It kind of means a little more around my household. And so, yeah, I, I have a slight, slight leaning towards, at least in my rooting interest to the Bengals, but I also believed in them all year. Like as they, as they progressed, I've kind of, I kind of thought they were undersold because it's the Bungles. Uh, I do think that they can pull this one out. Will they? they they've done it every step of the way. They've done it every step of the way so far. And I got to tell you, as a Packers fan, I've got an up close and personal look at Matt Stafford for over a decade. And let's just say Joe Burrow, I trust him a little more in games like this than I do Matt Stafford. It's not a shot. It's just proof. Yeah. I mean, I might be, you know, come Monday, I might be saying they proved me wrong again because I'm going to pick the Rams. Okay, uh, okay. That's not a bad pick. Uh, and 
you know, we saw the Titans get nine sacks against Joe Burrow and Aaron Donald and, and Von Miller had to be licking their chops, you know, looking at that Cincinnati offensive line. Now, on the flip side, the Bengals, you know, you 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 have position groups or maybe a certain player with a certain matchup, regardless of sport, that just hears about how they're going to get crushed for a couple weeks. And, you know, they okay, we're, we're going to block these guys. We're not going to get embarrassed by this Rams pass rush. The Bengals might go out and, and surprise everybody and hold their own way more than we, we think they will. Because I'm <laughs> as of now, you know, you got to wonder if Joe Burrow is going to make it through this game because we have you know, nine sacks against Tennessee and this, this D line is better. I'm, I'm thinking, look, zero step drops. Every, I mean, just get the ball out, Joe, get, throw it, just get rid of it. I mean, do what you got to do, but I'm picking the Rams based on what Cincinnati's already done. Like I said, they, they, they beat Kansas city. They, they beat the Titans. So they keep, proving everybody wrong, you know, especially if everybody outside of Cincinnati, nobody had Cincinnati doing this, but they just keep on keeping on. So would it surprise me if they beat the Rams? No. In SoFi, go to SoFi and beat the Rams in LA. It'd be, it'd be crazy, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Rams to win. Um, I just don't, you know, you can't, and Donald won't be denied. Von Miller is a Super Bowl MVP. He just throw him out there to, rush around Cincinnati's tackles and I think I think the Rams are gonna be too much. I think it's gonna be a good game though. Um Joe Burrow speaking of just one comeback player of the year and, and rightfully so with the with the NFL honors. Your guy, Aaron Rodgers, won his fourth MVP. I'm sure he would trade one gladly for another Super Bowl ring, but that's neither here nor there. But but you know it is what it is. Listen, Aaron Rodgers is the most valuable player in the NFL. Not, 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 not just, I'm, it's been two straight years, but I think two straight years kind of shows period. Everybody wanted to get on Aaron's case because of this COVID stuff, because of this and that, even though he made some points about being allergic to everything in there. I'm not going to judge you know, Aaron, what Aaron puts in his body if he's allergic to it. Okay. That's his choice. I'm vaccinated. If he's immunized, he's immunized. I am saying yeah. that Aaron Rodgers, the rightful goat, takes his place with his fourth MVP. He has Super Bowl MVP. He has a Super Bowl. I, I, Vinny, I, I'm, I'm sick of hearing about all the Aaron Rodgers hate, about how he's going to leave Green Bay. I, I'm just sick of hearing for it. The rightful MVP of the NFL took the award home. I'm very happy for the G-O-A-T. Who scored 10 points at home against the Niners. Listen, Vinny, saying. you're bringing up things that are just – yeah, they, they're, they're arbitrary and they hurt, Vinny. They they hurt. But he wanted uh, that home field advantage, and what did he do when he got it? Got got just by the same team down. that Dak Prescott took that little you know slide and ran out the clock, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, we're I'm gonna not, start fighting if you not, if you if know, you point out our losses. I'm gonna point out yours. You'll hear out all this goat stuff and and everything, and and you know, just, just and MVP, and, and I'm the MVP scored ten points at home. Ugh. There's, there's, there's. Lost to Jimmy is, G. Lost to Jimmy Garoppolo. It is a three-phase game. Every there are more than one player on the field. It is a team sport, and we all know this. By the way, you actually make a good point about Jimmy Garoppolo. It's something that I wanted to hit on with the Bengals and what you talked about. I agree that the offensive line has been suspect. You look at not only 
like if you, the Titans game, obviously, was a big mar on the offensive line's performance. And it's the offensive line that most people have expected to see. Mike Vrabel could have easily won. Did he win? Co- who won coach of the year? Vrabel beat LaFleur and I forget who else. was. Oh, LaFleur, three straight 13 win seasons, not one head coach of the year. How how about that? Um, it's uh, it, it's it's Vrabel drawing up that defense. But here's the thing. They went up against the Raiders. They had Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe, arguably the best pass rush tandem in the league uh, on the edges. They went up against Chris Jones and Frank Clark. And Chris Jones is a perennial all-pro. And they, they were able to – even even that one play where Jones was after him, it's one thing. You saw Aaron Donald quiet for most of that, that game against San Francisco until the very end. Garoppolo can't escape out of that. You saw what happened when he tried to, and he threw the game-sealing interception. <laughs> Joe Burrow gets that pressure, and that's when Joe Burr comes out. That's when Joe Shiesty comes out. That's when the guy at LSU, that's when Joe Cool comes out, yeah. and he makes his best plays under pressure. I'll just say the performances against the Raiders and Chiefs, there's the one against the Titans. We'll see what this Jekyll and Hyde offensive line does, but I wouldn't count them out just yet. I'm going to take Cincinnati. It will be a close game. I do think it's going to come down to the final drive for, for either team. Yeah. For, for, for whichever team has the ball last, I think it'll decide the Super Bowl. And I don't have a dog in the fight, and that's that's all you can ask for is a We've seen a lot of blowouts through the years, especially, you know, me being a little older than you, a lot of those games would get out of hand quick in the Super Bowl. So we have a, a, a you know, drama-filled, tense, exciting, you know, last drive, gut check moments for offenses and defenses. That's all you can ask for the Super Bowl win. You may be a tad older than me, but I I, I still saw the 43-8 to Bronco Seahawks game in 2013. <laughs> I, 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 I sat through a stinker for sure. Well, that thing was over. I mean, what what they snapped it over Peyton's head to start the game, and it was they gave like, yeah they gave here. up that Percy Harvin kickoff for two. yeah yeah they snapped it over his head for what was it a safety or something yeah, and the, it yeah. all just went it was downhill from the first snap of the game disaster disaster unbelievable so it's gonna be fun it's hard to believe this football is gonna be over after Sunday and it'll be you know looking ahead to spring football for Kentucky and. Oh, the USFL. Here you uh, go. Uh, no, no. I was going to say, uh, I do an NFL draft show every year for at least I have for WLXG. I think I missed one year during the pandemic. But other than that, I've done a draft show every year. The football doesn't stop for me. I've already probably put my eyes on at least about 30 guys from this draft trying to do more. I'm going to be I'm be coming at you with a 2022 NFL draft preview. So mm-hmm. NFL football's in him, but, hey, I'm going to watch all this film, get started, see where our guys canard, see Wondell Robinson, see where Yusuf Corker, Luke Fortner, Dare Rosenthal, where all these guys, Marquand McCall, where all these guys might be headed. So I'm excited about the NFL draft for sure. Well, any of the members, since we are shifting towards Kentucky now, this is you know Kentucky podcast, but we hit on everything. Will any members of the Big Blue Wall be making their way to Cincinnati? Because the offensive line is in need. So, I think you could potentially see two of the members. There's there are three in this draft. You've got Darian Kennard, who's widely viewed as a top. Some people have him projected towards the end of the first round, any anywhere from about 24 to 32. He could fall in the second round, just depending on if teams think he can stay at tackle. Is he a better fit at guard? Where he goes there. 
I am almost positive. I, I would, I, I would bet, I would bet some savings that he'll be in the top two rounds. Uh, mm-hmm. So he could be a target for the Bengals at 32, you know, get it 32, not 31. See that mm-hmm. um, uh, he could be a target there. He could be a target if they move up in the second round. And then Luke Fortner could be a guy they target in the later rounds as someone to provide some depth on the interior, may, maybe sneak a starting spot off. Uh, Dare Rosenthal is a guy that I think will probably be it, probably not Cincinnati. They already drafted Jackson Carmen as a developmental guy. I think Rosenthal's going to have to be kind of a pet project for a team that says this guy's got all the athleticism. He's got the length, he's got the talent, uh, but he needs refinement. I could see him being drafted to a team, maybe like the Rams where Andrew Whitworth is an older tackle. Maybe they draft him, you know, develop him for a year. And then he's the starter when Whitworth uh, eventually hangs the cleats up. Yeah, that's some good possibilities all the way around for sure. Um, <laughs> Will Levis and Liam Cohen in year two, presumably, presuming Cohen stays, you know, he's getting some people tugging at him, but, you know, we, Chris Rodriguez coming back was already like, whoa, okay. I see Smoke is coming back. You get Keaton Upshaw back from injury. Levis comes back, him and his big six-figure NIL deal is is going to be back. So, I mean, what's the, the potential for this offense? I believe that Will Levis could make a jump into the top 10 quarterbacks in college football next year. I believe that Will Levis could jump in when it comes to the NFL. He could have one of those uh, Blaine Gabbert, Blake Bortles type of rises where he's on no one's radar. And then all of a sudden people are talking about him being in the first round because he has that skill set. He's six, four. He's, I, I, he obviously can run the ball. We saw that all of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a rocket arm. He really does. I think that a lot of people think he's inaccurate and that can be true at times. I think the thing is that he needs to trust his arm. I, I saw a lot of intermediate throws talking about in that 10 to 15 yard range where he would take a lot off of it. And it made it kind of look weird when it came out. Cause I think he, he's trying to learn how to put touch versus just firing it in there. And I think he's still trying to find that balance from what I saw, but with another year under Cohen, uh, which, you know, even Zach Taylor went on and, and during the Super Bowl. Uh, media week and was glowing about Liam Cohen and what he's done, uh, what he did at Maine. Uh, yeah. Cohen, Cohen might not be long for Kentucky. I think, I think, uh, I think his, his star is rising and, mm-hmm. and you hope to just keep him here as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that the, the, the ceiling is through the roof. Uh, obviously you got Rodriguez back. Um, obviously the, the weird situation with Wolford going to Alabama and mm-hmm. all of that, the, the offensive line is, is more of a question coming into this year than normal, though you have some returning starters like Horsey. Uh, you've got, uh, you've got, you know, a guy like Jagger Burton, you know, the, 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 the sky is the ceiling, you know, he could, he could go through, he could go do anything uh, he wants to, as he develops uh, a local guy from uh, Lexington, Frederick, uh, Frederick Douglass high school. Uh, the, the, the question is like, it's been for years. You know, luckily, luckily the team got Wandale last year and he was able to be the superstar everybody thought he would be, but nobody, nobody broke out around him. 
I mean, Josh Ali, when Josh Ali got hurt and he was out, and I mean, Josh Ali's very imperfect player, but the offense was world's difference with him in there because a guy like Isaiah Epps didn't pan out. You know, Magwood kind of came on, and then obviously uh, Demarcus Harris like kind of, you know, picked up some slack towards the end of the season. But you're going to really have to hope that, the you know, the uh, Baker from Alabama comes in and produces right away. You hope that Crowdis, now that he's healthy, uh, also a Lexington, Kentucky, Frederick Douglass star, that he's able to contribute coming in. Uh, obviously, uh, you, you've got guys like Christian Dane Lewis. Dane Key. Yeah, Dane Key, Dane Key coming in. Yeah, I've, I, was, I was really impressed with how Liam Cole, we can, we can maybe get to that because I'll get long-winded if we start talking about how they recruited receivers and how interesting I think it is. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, all, it's all just wide receiver development, and that's what the whole entire season offensively is going to hinge on unless something dramatic happens, happens to the offensive line, but I don't expect that to necessarily be the case. And just going back to to Levis, like you said, he I mean, we we saw him run, we saw him truck, you know, Alridge from Missouri, you know, the second game of the season, just run through the linebacker. As far as, you know, another year in his offense, because he didn't have spring ball last year. He came in late, so he was, you know, kind of learning on the fly. So you get a full spring. He's not, and you know, as far as him how he correlates to the next level. He's big. He's powerful. I'm not, he's, he's not Josh Allen big or powerful, but he could probably still hold his own running the ball. He's He reminds me of Taysom Hill, but he's already a better thrower than Hill will ever be, to, in my opinion. I'm like, you, you see Taysom Hill running and doing his thing for the Saints, uh, you know, kind of even when Breeze was there, he was, you know, change the dimension guy, change it up. And then whatever last year was for them with Jameis getting hurt and all the injuries and their offense being a mess, he's still in there running and getting yards. I'm like, you know, Levis has to look at him and say, I can do that and throw better than him right now. So <laughs> <laughs> this is, this was, if I mean, I, I really think Levis was better, you know, He's Taysom Hill with a better arm than this was last year. So another year in his offense, another year of polishing him as a passer because he came from Penn State as strictly just a runner. That's all they had him doing primarily. You get that comeback where he had with they beat Nebraska or something where he made some throws. But as far as really doing it consistently, he's really only done it at this level since he's been here. And so another year of that, and he is big and powerful and can run, but he could, like you said, shoot up the charts and and really get on a lot of people's radar and 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 really. You're you know. too conservative with Taysom Hill. You could see the, the the way that you're going to grab headlines. What if it was like a? What if it was if everything breaks right? It's uh, Justin Herbert. You know, a big a big athlete with a rocket arm that can run. You know, something like I'm not saying I'm not saying that. Right. I'm just saying that's kind of the profile of a guy. Josh Allen is a profile of the type of guy that you would you would see Will Levis as a comparison. Like, can we get a tall, physical, running, strong armed quarterback and mold him? It's like those are the type of guys that pan out in that and you know not not everybody that happens to uh you know he let he still was one of the leaders in the nation in interceptions last year especially among the power five yeah i think a lot of that 
is that sometimes I feel like sometimes he trusts his arm uh, a little too much. And then sometimes he doesn't trust it enough. I, I, sometimes I wish he would just let it rip and whatever happens happens. Cause I think that's when you're going to get well, that's when he's going to get the best out of himself. And uh, that, that that's one thing going back to the, like a Bengals corollary. Let's use the Super Bowl as an example for Will Levis. Andy Dalton was a, fine quarterback I, I I always thought I, I was never as high on Andy Dalton as most people were I think they I, I personally thought they wasted some years trying to stick with him but I think the thing that hurt the most is I don't think the guys believed in Andy Dalton like the other 51 guys in the locker room believed in Andy Dalton in the sense of like I remember the first game it was a couple of years ago and I was watching on TV it's the first game of the year it was one of the first drives of the game and he missed a receiver over the middle and the receiver just threw up his hands. And it's like, you're doing that to your quarterback game one, like drive one or two. I'm got that. It's like, Oh, so you, you just don't know. Y'all don't believe in him. Come in Joe Burrow. And, and I mean, look at the team, look at the guys, how they respond to him, how the, how everybody, how everybody believes in him, talks glowingly about him, all of that. I think that's what will let us, I'm not sure if he's a better passer than Bo Allen, but I bet the guys in the locker room were like, that's the guy we want. He had swagger. He had confidence. He played physical. He was one of the guys and he really proved himself. And sometimes at a position at quarterback, it's like having talent and having skill is very important. You could argue it's the most important, but it is also the leadership focal point uh, of the team is the quarterback position unless you have like a Ray Lewis or somebody like that, you know, somebody that's transcendent. Uh, but I really do think that the guys wanted Levis. They believed in him. And I think that makes other people play better in general. And I think that's one thing that wasn't as talked about last year is how he kind of, you know, elevate. think about the Florida game when that snap was dropped and he took it and he got the first down and those hard runs, the guys were always hyped about it. They were excited for him. He always played with an edge. And I think when your quarterback plays with that edge, everybody else plays even sharper. Yeah. yeah. And my Taysom Hill comparison, that was, that was the floor for what I think Levis could be. <laughs> I wasn't saying that's, he's, that's all he's going to do. At the next level. Oh, I that know, was, I know like, you were. Yeah, you said he was better than him right now. Yeah, I'm like at the worst, he can go up there and beat Taysom Hill in the league mm-hmm. for yeah, you know, six, eight years, however long he wants to do it. But you know, I, another year of, of being polished and you know. Hey, I said Blake Bortles. That that can't get much worse than saying oh, Blake yeah. Bortles. So you know what I mean. I said that type of rise that kind of could be you know you know. Like so, so trust me. You did not throw out the most insulting comparison. It might have been, but I, at least I said it positively. I will give myself that. I said shooting up the boards like a Blake Bortles, but absolutely you know, some commonalities there. Absolutely. I got to talk about NordVPN real quick. We'll get to some basketball too. But what's more important, a peace of mind? Nothing, and that's what NordVPN is here for—to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either and plans start at under $4 per month. 
So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So NordVPN is definitely what you want to have so you don't have to be worried about anything while you are online. Let's talk about this basketball team, man, because like this time last year, we were digging up uh, stats and going to BigBlueHistory.net, John Scott's site, because it was the worst year we'd ever seen in our lifetime. We had to go back 100 years to see anything close to what we saw last year. And we saw how this roster got put together this year. I didn't project you know, any wins, but I just said, look, if they're going to improve, there's definitely going to be much improved from last year. And we're, we're seeing it all come into play. You could argue Cal and Stoops together probably got more bang for their buck out of the transfer portal than anybody. When you look at the four impact guys Stoops had, you look at the guys Cal has, you know, Grady, Sheboy, Severe Wheeler. And if I mean, if CJ Frederick had been able to play, I mean, so look at what the transfer guys did for Cal. They're 20 and four, fifth in the country. Two losses on the road when you lose your backcourt. We could be talking about 22 and two if you, based on how things were going at Auburn and LSU when the injuries happened. So it's, it's back to what everybody's been used to when you talk about Kentucky basketball. And then Notre Dame killing it in the ACC right now? Like that may kind of make that improvement. Well, I, I who would have thought that looking at the the team that Kentucky played, I was like, yeah, that's a very well run veteran team, and everybody crapped all over them. And now look at them. Maybe they're just a really good veteran team that college basketball thrives off of. Yeah. So really, like you said, it's that you know that Duke loss, and then the rest of them. They, I, I feel like there's an asterisk against all the other losses. But look, I'm going to give you two things, Vinny. I'm going to tell you why, if you ever get to listen to me on the radio, or if you want to, why I think that you should is because I play myself fairly. I'm never going to cock myself up to be more than I am, and I'm never going to be too low on myself because what's the fun in that? Okay. I did say that Kentucky, I said my prediction was Kentucky was going to win the national championship. And this is why I felt like in modern college basketball, there's now a trinity of places that you have to hit in the development of your team to be successful. The three are you have to obviously recruit and develop kids. So you have to have kids that are sophomore, junior, seniors in your program that have been there under you. You have to be able to recruit high school. You can't just bring in three stars every single year. And maybe if you keep them all, you know, that, that that's great. Maybe they develop into it. It's very rare that that happens. Even, even uh, Virginia, North Carolina, and Villanova, who are classically developed guys over time, you have to get some good players in there if you want to be successful and hope they don't. And this is the last part of it, transfer and the transfer portal. You have that to build your team. Cal got Keon Brooks, Davion Mintz. He got Lance Ware. He got a ton of guys coming back. Dante Allen's another example of that. He got guys to come back that had been in that program that were four and five star level talents. That is, that was step one. Step two, he didn't out recruit everybody for the top of the top guys. Some guy goes G league, but Damian Collins, uh, Ty Ty Washington and Bryce Hopkins, 
right there, you had the high school aspect of it. We've seen how it played off for Ty Ty. And I'll get to Damian in a little while when we talk about the Cats. And then the transfer porter, like you laid out, you've got a bunch of all-conference guys at other schools to come to this team. I thought that that was the perfect trinity of how you win in modern college basketball. And it's come to bore. I mean, look at the team. I will say this, and this is why I said I want to be fair. I did a segment on a show that we used to have on 96.1, and it was called Angelo Goes Off the Rails. It's just where I talk about a subject that I, I felt passionate about that day. ESPN came out with their top 25 college basketball players, and Oscar Sheboy was in there. And I said, what are they thinking putting Oscar Sheboy in the top 25? Why? Because he can offensive rebound? I said, I thought they were going to – I thought if you had one Kentucky guy, it'd be Kellen Grady. He's a 2,000-point scorer out of Davidson. And then I was like, well, if it's not him, like Ty Ty, they had other freshmen in there. Maybe Ty Ty's that guy. And, and uh, Severe Wheeler was a, was the leading assist man in the SEC. I was like, Oscar's maybe a top 75 guy, but like top 25? And now how stupid do I look? It, guys, the Naismith, like by far the Naismith uh, leading candidate for a top player, wooden candidate, like consensus All-American, like he's going to be one of the most dominant seasons in the last 10 years in college. But like, that's just one of those examples where I was just like, oh, I'm right about this. Well, guess who was completely wrong about that little uh, uh, analysis that they made? That was that was yours truly. So, you know, in both ways, I try to I try to go. What, what was the timestamp on that segment? What was this the first? Was this after the Duke game, or when did you when did you utter those? Uh, I did it at no after the Duke game. I think it had like a seventeen and nineteen. No, it was it was on ESPN's preseason top oh, pre-season. twenty-five. Okay, okay. Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. It was the ESPN preseason top twenty-five where they projected the top twenty-five players, and the only Kentucky they, player they had in there was Oscar. And let's just say ESPN might have known a little bit more, you know, about what they were talking about than maybe I did at the moment. <laughs> well, you know, you still thought he was, you know, coming from West Virginia and, and he wasn't working hard and you he was you were on Oh, the- I didn't say don't put words in my mouth, Vinny. I never said that he worked at you can say Huggy Bear said that, but this guy stuff. right here never said that. Never <laughs> said that. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, twenty and four. Got Florida coming up this weekend. And look, you talk about development too. I've been saying it. I don't know. I think I could pull the tweet up, but I've been, you know, sometimes been quote tweeting myself, you know, whenever you get something right. <laughs> hey, when you got your receipts, you use them. Trust me. I, I pull them out from years ago and just be a little, hmm, like a little, little, little thinking emoji just because sometimes you got to pat yourself on the back. I get it. That's it. And I, I did it because I, I said, you know, when, the light bulb goes off for Jacob Toppin offensively. I said it's bubbling below the surface. We we you flash back to, I guess his first year when they played Louisville at Louisville. They lost last year, but he had a little quick burst where he scored like six points. He had a little turnaround jumper, and he I was like, oh, mm-hmm. hey Jacob, all right. And now this year, you you know he's still open for a reason. You know he's still the fourth option when he's out there, whatever. But we're seeing little stuff just effortless. He's he's popping threes. He's splashing little short corner jumpers. He's, you know, taking it to the hole. When we knew the pedigree, we know about Obi. We know how athletic he is. But we also knew how raw he was. 
But we're seeing we're seeing him put the pieces together offensively to where he can be a legit viable option on a team that's insanely balanced already. And then you throw him out there with a two-headed monster. We see what Keon's been doing lately, and he's kind of stringing together some good games. But Jacob Toppin's offense is, I keep saying it's percolating. It's brewing, and it's, it's, it's bubbling, and it's coming. It's coming. Let me give you a little story. I was at UK's media day this year, and we were waiting after Cal for all the players to come out to their table. And the first one out was Jacob Toppin. And he was laughing and kind of having fun with some of the staff. You know, he was just kind of giggling, very aloof, very like cl- like class clown type of vibes I was getting. And I was like, man, I, I really had a lot of hope for you. I thought, you know, you, you seemed like you really had a lot of NBA potential. He sits down at his table and I'm the first one there asking him questions. And as soon as I start asking, he he gets serious. And he's not, you know, he's not like aggressive. He's just very, very focused. And I started talking about the NBA. Like, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you, you know, you have this, you know, amazing athleticism. He, he straight up was like, the NBA game is no longer a game about athleticism. It is a game of skill. And I had to come back to develop my skill. And I was like, oh my God. God, I was like, okay, I, I, I'm sorry, Mr. Toppin. I, I like, obviously, I didn't say he was aloof to his face. I was just thinking that. And then he came out with that, and I was like, okay, this guy, like, he knows what his objective is. He knows what he needs to be here to do for himself. And we've seen how it's how it's kind of related back to the team. I agree with you. Now he's only two for three from three this year. I was actually with a guy the other night, uh, a former UK basketball player. I won't say who, but um, he he's uh, he had some connections to some NBA scouts, and we were talking about Jacob Toppin and whether he was an NBA player. And he, you know, at first it was like, nah, nah, you know, like that. Like there was a little bit of debate with the group of people, and he called up his scout, and he and uh, I, I kind of floated out there. I was like, uh, you know, he was like, oh, he could definitely go in the G League right now, and I was like, that reminds me a lot of Derek Jones Jr who was in the slam dunk contest for the Phoenix Suns when he was in the G League, signed a two-year $18 million contract with the Chicago Bulls, you know, and was starting for them before he got hurt. There, there's, there is a path for Jacob there, but for this team specifically, it is what you're saying. He has become so much more reliable in different facets. He likes to pass too. Like that's something that he'll flash uh, from time to time when he has the ball to make plays. But the way that he's been finishing this year as well, I got, I got to see first time I ever sat courtside was this year at a UK game at Rupp. And I got to see him dunk once. And I'm not kidding, Vinny. He was still going up when he dunked it. It is his athleticism is unlike anything you've ever seen. And that's a, this is a team with Collins on it. So I, you won't find another person that agrees with you as much as I do where Jacob Toppin is, if he if his role comes into it that he is a I think that's right we're burgeoning is that is that words that the right word uh, offensive player uh, like you said it's bubbling to the surface I'm not sure if he's going to completely you know go into the tournament and drop a couple twenty point games right. but he's there he he's developed enough to where yes I agree that he's going to start doing things uh, for this team like like he has already that he he just looks like a completely different Jacob Toppin from last year. And you talk about his athleticism, how noteworthy it is, even with Collins on the team, who just ruptured his chin on the rim just because, you know, he, so, and, and Jacob's athleticism is still noteworthy 
when you got a guy that's, you know, ripping his chin off on the rim. <laughs> exactly. It's insane. It's insane to have that type of athleticism. I mean, we've had some athletes here too. Like my, my favorite's Alex Poitras that we've had through here, but these guys are, I can't remember the last time we had jumpy, jumpy guys. And then we have Shaden Sharp sitting on the bench. Who's probably the, 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 the most athletic of them all going back to high school, being a shooting guard and doing what he's doing. It's, it's yeah. insane. Sure. Oh, Diallo. Sorry. Diallo is the last person. Diallo, Hamadou Diallo was a freak. Uh, po- he was a, pogo, a living pogo stick. He was. He was. And and you go back to Tubby, Colin Azabuki. He didn't really put it all together, but he was a he was a freak. And he's he's got some dunks you can pull up on on YouTube from the mid two thousands. He was. He was, a it was my he was a junior on the first team that I ever fell in love with with Kentucky, which was the was the Hawkins, Fitch, Azubuki, Hayes, Daniels. Yeah. Like that team that 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 team was the first team that I really, really, really got got on to. And that 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 that's like that 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 was my introduction to UK basketball. It went downhill pretty fast after that, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, it had to regroup and, and climb back and you know get back to where they are. Gotta switch it up to the women's team for just a moment. This season hasn't gone like everybody had hoped, like everybody was, had thought. There's been a lot of struggles. Uh, they they made a valiant effort tonight against South Carolina. They lost fifty nine to fifty, um, but I think they're two and seven, two and eight in conference play now. So it's been uh, a tough season. You lose Blair Green, you have injuries, you have disciplinary problems, suspensions. It's been a lot of stuff going on. Um. Now, you see some stuff, and you know we need a change. They they look like Coach Elsie's in overhead, and all this kind of stuff already. This is year two, off of a year where she didn't know she was gonna be head coach until a couple of weeks before the season started. Now I'm not saying it, it 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 might not work. It might it might just it just might not work. We we'll find out soon enough. I'm not throwing shade at Coach Mitchell, but he also had a period where stuff got off the rails for him. You talk about your Angelo goes off the rails segment. Coach Mitchell went off the rails with the program after he had been here for a minute. He was a much more experienced coach at the time than Coach Elsie was, and he was having transfers and departures and people leaving, and it was like, what's going on? What's happening? And he got it turned around. You know, unfortunately, he had to retire due to his injury, but he was able to get through that rough patch he had and get stuff turned around. I don't know if Coach Elsie will or not, but I'm just saying this is a rough patch. See if she can get through it like he did. And, you know, maybe she will be able to hear a lot of she's wasting Brian Howard. You hate to see her last year be on a team like this. I get it. But let's see if she can maybe kind of right the ship the way Coach Mitchell did. It's kind of a – to make a football comparison, is she like a Coach Stoops or a Coach Joker, you know, in the terms of how the program goes once it's handed to her? Unlike, you know, unlike Joker who knew – who was the head coach and waiting, like you said, Coach Elsie was kind of thrown in the midst of it and is trying to learn on the fly. Uh, on the flip side – she does have the best UK player since, you know, Valerie still. Nice. And that's, that's with, uh, you know, there's a young lady that was drafted third overall in the WNBA draft a couple of years ago, but you know, like, like 
Brian Howard, someone I voted for, for one of the Kentucky sports figures of the year. She was on my ballot this year. Uh, it's, it is disappointing to see that, like when you're handed such a dynamite player, like Howard is and still kind of struggle. And, and of course there was the snafu the other day where uh, she was supposed to come on the post game show and didn't. And a lot of people thought that that might've been the signal of, you know, she was going to kind of like what happened with Chris Mack where his show was canceled the night before he was let go. Yeah. And uh, Evan Crane, who does an amazing job over at Kentucky, a really, really great guy. Uh, he had to come on Twitter and be like, look, we only have so many spots. Uh, we, we were running behind, like running late. Uh, we could, like she wanted to come on and we just couldn't, we didn't have the time to do it. And, and that's where you kind of like, oh, is that true? Or like, you know, it, it, it becomes speculative at that point. Uh, overall, it, it's, it's, it is fair both ways, in my opinion. I think it's fair to want to, to give someone time to develop it. Not every coach is going to hit the, hit the ground running in, in any sport. Like some do, but sometimes it takes patience and patience pays off. I can also understand the flip side though, that when you're given such a talent, like Ryan Howard in her senior year, the presumptive number one overall pick of the WNBA draft. I mean, she's, she's that type of player. It's, it's, you can understand also where it's like, look, it's not going to get easier from here. Like once you lose Ryan, it's, 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 it's not, it's not, a, it's not an easy path though. So I, I just, I, I understand it from, from, from both sides, but overall it is sad to see someone of Howard's dominance and what she's meant to the women's basketball program to kind of go out with a season that's more of a whimper than than an explosion. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not. She might not be able to turn it around. It, it might, it might be like Joker, but um, but she was obviously promoted from interim to head coach for a reason. She would have probably taken a job somewhere else. She would have been interviewing and and you know, looking to become a head coach and they thought, well, let's, let's hang on to her and not let her get away. We've seen historically this athletic department, you know, Barnhart lean towards being patient, sometimes to the frustration of the fan base. Nick Minjone is in a similar situation where ain't been to, ain't been to the postseason in a while and it's been kind of rocky in conference play. Is his, you know, people wondering the same thing about him. Is his seat hot? And it seems like he's still has rope to try to turn stuff around. I don't maybe this year is the final year. Maybe if he doesn't do it this year, who knows? But he still seems to not be on that hot of a seat. We saw what happened with, you know, speaking of Stoops, you know, that year three, that, you know, two and ten, five and seven, five and seven. You know, the word is if you lose that game to Mississippi State in year four, maybe you don't make it, but he wins that, goes seven and five, and we see things start to turn around. So we see a body of work of, hey, let's try to let's try to let them work their way through some stuff. So maybe the same thing will be afforded to Coach Elsey as, you know, Minjone and Stoops have gotten. Uh, we'll see. Well, hopefully, you, you want to see everybody rolling. Like you said, it doesn't always work. You know, everybody wanted Joker to succeed. He played here. He's from here. Coaching waiting. He was going to have another job if they didn't keep him and all that, and it still didn't work out. But, you know, just hope, 
hope she's able to turn it around. Like you said, it's not going to get easier when when Ryan Howard leaves. It's <laughs> he's still South Carolina ain't going nowhere. <laughs> you know, LSU just got Moki from Baylor. She's just going to have them built up quick. So you know, nope, Tennessee is back to pretty much being what they do. So it's 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 going to be a tough road to hoe, but hopefully she can right the ship. Time will tell. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And the Minji Young thing, that was, I don't have much to comment on the baseball team yet. I, I will say that season brought a ground. So when Kentucky athletics are good, it's amazing to see that even the, the, the secondary programs, like not basketball and football, how much hype and, and joy there is around it. I will say it's not as much the production on the field. You, you have a season like that. And if you keep a quality program, you expect it to happen again. I just remember I was seeing on Twitter, like, I think it was two years ago. It could have been last year where like transfers were, or players were transferring and saying things that were a little vague and it was starting to happen in a, in a greater amount. And I didn't know if there was a culture problem there. I don't know. Like I, 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 I don't, I'm not very close to the baseball program, so I can't say uh, any comment on that. But I just remember seeing that as a, as a casual, as an outsider, looking at that and being kind of from afar concerned of like, what's going on here? So I'd like to, it, it would probably be good if there was a, if there was a quick turnaround. And I know that some people are really excited for baseball season. I mean, the weather starts to get nice. The, you know, it's the, you support the local athletic team. I know someone that gets season tickets to it. Like people, people like it around here. And I, I think yeah. that uh, with that, with the potential baseball lockout, it would be nice to have some local baseball to go travel and watch. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um. The SEC, man, we just coming off a pandemic and 700 and some million dollars <laughs> revenue sharing is going to get split between the 14 schools and 50 some million a piece coming off of a pandemic. So it's just, you know, I think Sankey talked about it today at the meeting. It's just. It's, you know, it's unbelievable. I mean, pandemic. obviously the SEC loves their sports and they're still going to invest in it, but yeah, never, never. Let's just say that hopefully our generations will uh, push forward the whole, uh, get rid of that whole, these, these kids are amateurs. They need to, to play for the love of the game. Like, no, no, sorry. No, it's been, it's actually been way too long. Uh, yeah. This would have been long, long, long overdue. Yeah, and it's good yeah. to see that the NIL is intact. Mm -hmm. yeah, also, also BS with salary cap stuff. On the NIL, well, it makes other stuff. Nope, that's just another way for kids not to get paid. Like, oh, but the, the kids will get paid. They just have to go to other school. Not all schools are built the same. If if fifty kids at Texas A and M can get a hundred thousand dollars, let them do it. You know, I don't. Oh, that makes recruiting imbalances. They've been there. Well, we didn't have a problem with that. And when you know schools were getting all these kids before, it's not like Alabama struggled beforehand. Right. It's not like SMU was uh, struggling beforehand, you know, like some of these teams. Like, uh, well, there have been plenty of schools that got caught doing it. So let's – I really wish that that would kind of stop. I, I, I want I want kids to – you know, if we're – this is I'm, – I'm not going to go on tangent. If, if we want to be fair to kids, if they're worth something, they should be able to actualize it. That's all. Absolutely. Got to talk about one more quick sponsor to the podcast real quick. We got La Terrain Watches. Look, sometimes – you just don't need to be looking at your phone to see what time it is. Lots of rain watches. They're affordable. They're stylish. They have them for men. They have them for women. You have accessories. You can get different bands. You got different styles. You can go to lotterrain.com and check out the whole selection of products. We had Dave, the owner, on this podcast a few weeks ago. 
If you go to LaTourine.com, L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com, hit the chat button. You're not just speaking with a bot or some automated deal. You're speaking with actually the owner himself. Dave, who was on this podcast, will get back to you and answer your question. We have former cats like Tony Delk, who hosted this podcast, Walter McCarty. They endorse La Terrain themselves. You got former NBA player for, you know, Mike Houston Rockets. Vernon Maxwell is in with La Terrain. So they're getting a lot of cool people to endorse them. And it's a really good product. So you definitely want to make sure you have a La Terrain timepiece on your wrist. Whatever the occasion, formal, casual, get yourself a La Terrain timepiece. La Terrain watches LaTerrain.com. Appreciate them sponsoring the podcast. And Vinny, mm-hmm. I don't wear a watch, and I would love to be sponsored by Law Train. Since we have all these professional athletes, why not a, a rising local radio broadcaster? I mean, let's 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 put a let's put a nice timepiece on this wrist, is what I'm saying. Hey, Dave, they listen, they listen to every episode. Dave and Ben, Ben is from Kentucky, Ben is from Mount Sterling. Dave is from Philly originally, down in Charlotte now. They've teamed up to get these watches out. And look, man, you just might speak that into existence. We might have a a, a watch that you, you're sponsoring for you, or might have a, a Angelo line or something like that. Who knows in the world, man? And I'm a big fan of Charlotte. That market right there is a pretty pretty market. I got to tell you that much. So I, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. We I'll, I'll try to get in contact with, with with them. That sounds good. That's it, man. La Terrain. And look, I love Charlotte too. Love it. It's always fun when you go over there. It's I used to want to live in big cities when I was little. I used to want to live in Atlanta or New York, and there's just now you, you get older. It's like, man, it's too big. It's too. It's too crazy. Just go and visit and then leave. Charlotte's like Atlanta without all the ridiculous traffic. It's like you can just move around. It's 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 not crazy like that. Every time I've left and hit at five o'clock and just drove right in where I'm trying to go. Go right downtown to the hotel. You know, going for a concert, going for a ball game over there. Just, just love it, man. I ain't got nothing bad to say. Every place has their bad spots and all this, and no place is perfect, but I've never had a bad time in Charlotte. My th- my three favorite sports are the NFL, NBA, and college football. They've got the Panthers, the Hornets, and they've got a rising college football team in, in their Charlotte program. It is quickly becoming a thing. So that, that market right there, I'm just like chomping it. I'm like, Oh, all that stuff just sound, I don't have to, I don't have to leave the city and I get to do all this. Stuff. Oh man. It, it's Char- Charlotte. Yeah. Charlotte's a dream market for me. I think I'd be like, like you said, I don't want to be in New York city. I'm sure it's cool for some people. It's probably a little too big for a simple Kentucky boy like me, but Charlotte feels like right right in the middle major market, but not, you know, it's not LA, Houston, Chicago, New York, you know, exactly. Michael Garrett is from Louisville. <clears throat> He's over in Charlotte now. He's like part on their athletic department. We had him on the Cats Talk Wednesday podcast that you've been on with myself and, and TV. But yeah, he's the same thing. You know, they, they got the football team going over. I think they beat Duke in football, which is, you know, kind of big for them for that upset. They got a great stadium because I was, I was asking him. I didn't know. I, I legit didn't know. I was like, does, because, you know, the, the Pitt Panthers play in Heinz Field where the Steelers play. I said, does Charlotte play? Do y'all play at uh, Bank of America? He's like, no, we got our own stadium. I was like, oh, because I, I thought they just shared it with the Panthers. I had, I didn't know. He's like, no, we got our own stadium. We got our own facilities. We got our own campus. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then, I think that, yeah, they're real, real serious about it. Yeah, yeah. So I had, I you know, I, I really didn't know. So I was getting educated on, 
you know, the the Charlotte 49ers, because and he's a San Francisco 49ers fan too, so we had to butt heads on that. But he was educating us on the Charlotte 49ers and, and all the good stuff they got going on at that university. Of course, Mike Pratt had the connection over there. He coached Charlotte back in the day after his playing days were over. And, you know, I, I talked about this. We, you know, the Kentucky Knicks, that's all you heard, you know, because Quickly and, and Nerlens and Kevin Knox and Kenny Payne and, and you know, all the UK guys. Charlotte historically is is goes back deeper than, you know, a lot of cities as far as UK guys. You know, like I just mentioned, Mike Pratt coached over there. Uh, you had Tony Delk get drafted over there. Rex Chapman, before Tony Delk got drafted by Charlotte, Rex was like their first ever draft pick as an expansion team, if I'm not mistaken, in 88 or 87 when he left UK. Uh, P.J. Washington, Nick Richards, Malik Monk was over there. Correct, so. correct me if I'm wrong. What, what, did Jamal Mashburn play for the Charlotte Hornets or did he play in New Orleans? Like Which one? What, I, I, I remember – I thought Mash played for one of them because I know he started off in Dallas. Like, am I am I just wrong about this? I'm gonna look it up. I might just be wrong. Yeah, because he was with the Heat. He was with Dallas, the Heat. Yeah, I, I loved it. I don't want to be misfashion. You know, Jamal Mashburn's a player for Kentucky that you know I I feel like is pretty criminally under talked about for how. Not, not only great he was in college, but in the pros too, but how dominant he was. I mean, if you created an all-time UK starting lineup, uh, that's that small forward spot. I really think that uh, Mashburn would have a very strong case uh, for that. So I think that uh, when it comes to the monster mash that it is under talked about. And of course I told you before the podcast started how slow my computer is. So trying to pull up basketball reference and look at Jamal Mashburn very quickly has uh, not suited me well. So I'm going to come back to that in. uh, He was with, looks like two years with the Charlotte Hornets, 2000, 2001, 01, 02. And then his last two, they, they made the move to new Orleans. You're right. Hey, there we go. Like, my memory actually didn't fail me this time. Let's go. That's right. That's right. So the last four years of his career, he was a Hornet, two in Charlotte, two in Nolan. So, yeah, yeah. And I was I just kind of forgotten the Charlotte years. I remember the Heat years and, of course, of course Dallas, but the Heat years. But, yeah, he ended up as a Hornet. And he, yeah. You know, he was the he was the one that got Patino rolling. You know, he was the recruit, kind of like John Wall did for Cal, and you know, turning the team around, coming off probation. He was the guy. Uh, what ninety t- ninety two, the late yeah. year, the Duke game, but he he had fouled out. I'm like, ah, match fouls out. Ninety three against the Fab Five, he fouled out. I'm like, oh, I think they win both of those. If he's still able, if he's able to stay in there, I really think they win both of those games. You can't yeah, it's almost the otherwise. It's almost ironic because they call them the unforgettables, and it's like, yeah, that's cool. But the best player on the team often gets forgot. Like the the irony of that, it's like, yeah, yeah, like Pelfrey's cool, but I mean mash like you know what i mean like looking back at it like as someone that was born the year that that happened like i didn't get to see that team but it's like but it's like yeah like phil house well that's cool but it's like oh jamal mashburn was on that team maybe we should talk about like him a little more yeah he was he was something else for sure he really was and so just versatile man six nine two forty inside outside 
can handle it. You know, we see a lot of guys do that now, but he was doing that like in the, the year you were born. He was doing it back then. So he wasn't a lot of guys doing that back then. And then that smooth and effortless. I mean, yeah, Magic Johnson, 6'9 point guard, greatest point guard ever. I get it. He was doing it, you know, and, and running the Lakers late show offense and all that, showtime. But, you know, from a small forward, you know, versatility-wise, Mash, man, he was he just kind of blew everybody away. Yeah, for the for the t- for a team that that the ninety six ninety seven and then when Tubby took over in ninety eight when you had all of those pros like Ron Mercer and Antoine Walker, Tony Dell, Walter McCarty, all those guys, like I still think that Mash was probably the best pro that Patino took out of Kentucky and put in the league. Unless I'm forgetting someone, which is could be the case. Yeah, that was probably right. Yeah, well, Antoine and Dell, but yeah, Mash is Mash is that Mash that guy. And we went to the Dallas team, and you know they they were struggling, and we had a lot of you know good players. Yeah, Kid and Jim Jackson and Mash. There was a big three that was supposed to, you know, kind of get it going and get them turned around. But I'll never forget. I just flipped on the TV. It was WGN. It was a Bulls game, and this was when the Bulls were the Bulls. This was like '96, '97. This was championship Bulls, and Mash just out there dropping fifty on the Bulls. You know, and Scottie Pippen guarding him. Jordan's guarding him, and it's just you know, y'all just gonna get this work, and they they couldn't do anything with Mash that particular night. And these these the Mavericks were an inferior team, like I said, the Bulls were just killing everybody, but Mash put fifty on them like it was nothing. That was that pre or post Tony Braxton? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> There you go. You know it. You know it. that's all that needs to be said. You know it. And, and, <laughs> and I, I forget was Jacks. I forget who was on the podcast, and they were all talking about that now. But it, yeah, it's just hey. <laughs> there, there's been there's been like we just saw a big three with James Harden get broken up today. Uh, different reasons than than maybe why maybe why that Dallas big three broke up, yeah. and you know it's just one of those what could have been. Exactly. Exactly. And that was. You know, it's Super Bowl week, and we started off with talking to Super Bowl, and we recorded today just to see maybe what would happen with the NBA, and then we did get the big blockbuster with Simmons, Ben Simmons and James Harden getting traded. They're in the same division, and that still didn't stop them from making the deal. Both disgruntled guys have now, you know, just swapped places up there on the eastern seaboard. It's. I thought it was one of the rare win-wins for both organizations. I, I, I let's start off with with the Philadelphia side of it. You had a guy in Ben Simmons. I, I think what happened in the playoffs really muddled the view of who of someone who's an exceptional basketball player. Uh, ben Simmons. I mean, when we're talking about, and I I don't throw this around lightly. Tr- trust me, I don't. But the guy, the guy's ceiling, I don't think he'll ever reach it now. I think he's too far gone for it, but he could have been the next magic. I mean, he was 6'10". Six, six, he ran the floor like a guy that was, you know, 6'2". Uh, he, he had phenomenal, he still has phenomenal passing ability, like a prodigious like type of passing ability. He was a superb rebounder. He's proven to be one of the five best defenders in the NBA and probably the best non-center uh, defender in the NBA. He's, he's only 25 years old. You know, he's still a young guy, still figuring out the world. Everybody expects because you're great in the NBA that you're on a different tier. Like I know what I was at at 25 and trust me, 
I I was uh, I I was not the best decision maker. I was not in the best mental health place like Ben Simmons was, you know. So it's like that. that those things happen. Uh, to for for Philadelphia to have a guy that didn't want to be there, and you and you don't have leverage. They know Simmons wants out. So to get a trade where you get back a future first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the you know 50 best players in league history, in James Harden. And you get to keep Tyrese Maxey, and you get to keep uh, Matisse Thybul, who's were two players that are going to be on the core of that team. Like this team, those four guys, they'll probably find a fifth guy to put in there, but those four guys for the future are for sure locked in to that team. So to be able to keep those two young guys that they they drafted in house, and you know they gave up Seth Curry, which is a big loss. Seth Curry's been really good since he's been in Philly, uh, even back with Dallas. They gave up Drummond, two first-round picks. I mean, you still got James Harden to pair with Joel Embiid. I thought I thought that to keep Maxi and Tybal, Simmons didn't want to play there. To get back Harden, that's a win. And then if you're the Nets, you get back a guy that, like I said, 25-year-old All NBA, and the whole shooting thing, like, oh, is he ever going to be able to score in the crunch time? Well, now you got Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and you don't have to worry about it. And maybe he does. Maybe he does fix his mind. Maybe he does regain confidence. Maybe we get to see, like, once Kevin Durant and Kyrie phase out of there, and that's his team, maybe he does fulfill his ceiling. I mean, there are plenty of examples of guys that start off rough and then are just, you know, they finish their career, and they're absolutely awesome. I mean, you see a guy like DeMar DeRozan this year at 32 years old make the leap. You know, that's something that who would have expected that, but he went to the bulls and he's an MVP candidate. Never, never before reached this height of his career. And he's this age. And and just for this year, uh, you get Simmons, who's going to be able to defend. And they, they did not have that. Kevin Durant was their best defender. And now they do, they've got a legit primary defender. They've got a guy that can facilitate rebound, do all the stuff that they need. They get Seth Curry, who's, I mean, just, perfect if you want to spread the floor and and have like a ball handler like that and honestly the Brooklyn gave up the farm when it came to picks uh, for James Harden they gave up I think like four firsts and two swaps or something like that but now they get two firsts back from Philly and you get a 25 year old building block of the future I, I think the Nets honestly for what they gave up for James and then what they got in return for him I think they made out really really well I, th- I think I think this trade is a win for both sides, but I especially like it for Brooklyn. Yeah, and I I just want to see Philly offensively because it's I mean because Harden plays how he plays. I'm a Rockets fan. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Rockets fan. You know this. Yep. Uh, yep. So Maxie's gonna be impacted, and it's, and we saw how he started his career off up there, and. Will will James and and Joel click? Joel was already rolling, so and he's going to be impacted. How will they integrate Harden back in when he's healthy? Uh, will Harden just kind of defer and, and drop it into the big fella and let him work and let him eat, or will he? I mean, uh, I don't know. Vinny, you are to be like this to a guy that's like your second best player, third best player in franchise history. For a guy that gave you like ten great years of his professional career, for you to talk so lowly about James Harden, you sound bitter. You sound salty, Vinny. That's what I'm hearing. You're talking about a guy that ran an offense a certain way with Kevin McHale, Mike D'Antoni comes in 
And the best thing that ever happened in his career is Mike D'Antoni told him, you're the point guard. You're going to learn how to be a point guard. And that team came through several iterations. And then like, yeah, he does play a certain style of way. Wasn't it the one that led him to an MVP and he was throwing up 36 and 10s, you know, and doing all, man, Vinny, you just, I, I thought you were going to have more faith in your guy. Look, here's, here's the one thing I'll give him. Look what happened when he went to Brooklyn. They didn't play James Iso ball. James was posting like 22 points, like 10 rebounds, 14 assists, like every night when he got to Brooklyn, he was adaptable around his teammates for the betterment of the team. And I think he knows Joel's the guy, like Daryl Morey, that might be, like Harden might be Daryl Morey's guy, but Embiid is the owner's guy. You know, like that guy, that's like, no, Joel Embiid's our franchise. I think James will adapt quite nicely. And Vinny, I'm honestly disappointed in you for your, oh, for your, man. for your hatred of James Harden after everything he'd done for you. We enjoyed it. I mean, it, it was great. Hated to see the exit. Hated to see. It's never pretty home. anymore. It it's never not. pretty anymore. And it's, you know, and now it's, you know, it, it just happened again. You just, you wouldn't, you, you, you wanted to go to Brooklyn just a, a little short minute ago. You couldn't wait to get to Brooklyn. And now you, you own the Philly and you're a free agent at the end of the year. So I can't wait to see how that, that sweeps. Oh, oh, you don't think that he pushed his way to Philly without yeah. Daryl telling him, we're going to give you the max, buddy. Just uh, don't worry. You don't think he pushed that a little quick. Daryl was like, look, we need you to do this now. Get the, get the owner off my back. We're going to give you the max. I'm almost positive. I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying as an outside fan guessing, I think Harden knows that he is going to get paid quite handsomely uh, this offseason by the Philadelphia 76ers. Hey, good for him, man. That's good for him. So. You, know, I don't, you know, your face doesn't say it. Your words say it, but your face doesn't. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's, hey, you know, I can't be, look, I can't be bitter. It is, you know. He was he it was ten years. It was great. It was a good run. They were contenders. You know, poor old Stephen Silas just walked into a coaching job that it wasn't what he signed up for, and it it is ain't been close to what he thought he was gonna be walking into since he got there. So. Can you call up your boy Stephen Silas or Tillman, Tillman Frittetta or for Frittata or whatever his name is? Can we get John Wall back on the court? I want to watch John Wall play basketball again. He's healthy. Oh. Yeah, that would have been nice too, because he was the first, first former cat on my rocket since Terrence Jones, if I'm not mistaken. So it would have been nice to see uh, John Wall get some run, some serious run there. But uh, you know, yeah, you had I'm, you had Wall Cousins was on that team with Wall at one point last year, and then you had uh, uh, Chuck Hayes. As yeah, Rockets alumni yeah. there, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of guys away from building a building a squad over there That's in Houston, it. a little Kentucky all-time squad. Trying to get a little deep Southwest Lexington going on down there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, like like I know this is your podcast. Let me ask you. He was my he was my favorite prospect in the draft last year. Um, second best on my board, Jalen Green. What do you feel about him so far? Are you happy with him? Would you wish they would have taken Mobley, or are you you sticking by Jalen? Um. I'm happy. It's it's just gonna be uh, you know, gotta take your lumps, and they've been doing that all year, and so you know you don't get to see them much. Just kind of they're just kind of down there <laughs> in obscurity this just year. Tanking just, away. It's just gonna be one of those years, but uh, you know, they, a lot of potential. You know, he's he's good. He was you know he lost to Toronto tonight, but I'm I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Get to see him on the. 
in the dunk contest, and then he'll go back to being on the worst team in the Western Conference again. And so, <laughs> it is what it is this year, man. But I'm, I'm excited. So hopefully they can rebuild and, and work their way back up. The, the West is a beast, but, you know, take your lumps, see what happens with some of the older guys. They, they traded Tice and see what happens when you get those pieces, what's going on with Gordon and all that. But, you know, take your lumps. It happens. Can't be up there all the time. And they contended for a long time, you know, and, and they tried to win for a long time. You know, you had, you had the Yao years they were trying to win. It's not like they just tanked it. They've legit been trying to win for a long time. And, you know, the wheels fell off this year. Crazy circumstances. You know, James left. Wall hasn't worked out, and that situation is whatever it is. So just take your lumps and. Yeah, you know who needs to you know who needs to hear what you're saying is your old friend TB because this Lakers 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 fans are melting at this point like oh oh no we don't have a championship team for the first time uh, since LeBron's been or not the first time but you know oh no like everything's falling apart like yeah it must be so hard to have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and and have a championship you know less than two years ago like so difficult like Lakers fans are so spoiled. Don't you agree? Yeah, I do. I do. It's like Terry said. He's 44. The Lakers have won 11 championships in his lifetime. So they don't ever have to win another one in our lifetimes for me. That's plenty. <laughs> Every four years of his life, the Lakers have won a title if you average it out. That's ridiculous. Well, well, to be fair, if you averaged out the Niners, too, it would look a lot better. But they haven't won in 94. Tell him I said that. That's true. Yeah, because he tries to – <laughs> talk trash to me about the 49ers because they went to a couple of Super Bowls and lost them. He's talking about, you know, the there was no high def the last time the Cowboys won. I said, look, our our Super Bowl drought is what it is, but it's it's a yours year is a year shorter. longer. A year yeah, longer. exactly. Yeah. Our drought's a year shorter than San Francisco's because, you know, Dallas San Francisco beat the Chargers. The next year Dallas beats the Steelers. And, you know, so your drought's longer than mine. So. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's petty, and that's how we do. And we don't agree on anything except Kentucky. We we disagree on everything else, and that's the whole <laughs> that's the whole nucleus of of the of the podcast over there. So absolutely, <laughs> man. I was supposed to not get long winded and keep you this long, but you came on here and killed it after work. Keep oh, man, doing I appreciate your thing, that. Man. Appreciate you, Angelo, for hopping on here. Um, Tell my guy, look, Todd Lanter's been on here for an episode. Got to get him back on here again. He's, he had kind words to say about you when we talked about you last time. Y'all so, talked about me? Yeah, I mentioned, I said, man, you know. Hey, nobody told me that. Todd didn't tell me he talked about me on podcast. Nobody told me they talked about me on podcast. I'm out here. Like, it just, you know, got to listen to all these good words being said. I missed yeah. them all. But, no, I got Todd for you. If you want him back on, I'll make sure to make it happen. Yeah, because I know he's been moving. I texted him a while back. He was he was moving. He was busy. And I was like, we'll do it again. And so, well, get connected with him, especially since it's still basketball season. I got to get him back on here again. But You, you let me know, and I'll make it happen. All right. I appreciate you. So I was like, man, I'm just not going to bother him. I'll try him again. But, you know, uh, yeah, we'll get him on for sure since it's it's, it's almost March now. Got to get his uh, insights, man. Got to pick I up. I know. <laughs> exactly. Well, man, Angelo, appreciate you. Tell everybody where they can find you. We plugged it a little bit, but tell them on your, your socials, your, your stations, 
high school, everything you're doing, tell everybody where they can can peep you out. Uh, look, I'd appreciate it if y'all followed me on Twitter at Angelo Media Lex, A-N-G-E-L-O, Media L-E-X. Like, I'd love it if you follow me there. That's where I'm most active with a lot of my content, uh, promotions, thoughts. Um, I do uh, Varsity Game Night, which is our high school basketball program. Uh, tournaments are starting. Like, district, we're going to be doing the District 42, obviously the Region 11. We're going to try to broadcast every single game uh, live on air. Uh, that's that, That's – if you're a high school basketball fan, like we are the place to be, especially if you're here in Lexington, uh, that we are the place to be uh, for that. And then, you know, like on the air, like with the UK stuff, it's been going on. But like I said, you, you stick to my Twitter and kind of stay tuned and you'll kind of get to see where I'm going next. But I, I'm not here. I'm not doing these things if it isn't people for people like you, Vinny, for for believing in me and enjoying what I do and me enjoying, you know, obviously I enjoy what you do, but for for all the support that you give me and with what we do here, if it's not, if it's not with the community, if it's not with us sticking together and coming up together, then we're all, you know, fish out of water. So I really appreciate you uh, supporting what I do and having me on the bleed podcast. Yes, sir, man. So y'all check him out. He's doing big things. He's doing great stuff on all levels. Like we said, high school, UK, NFL level with the Bengals and y'all can catch Everything we just talked about on this episode, go to Believe.com, straight to the site, or subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Also, go to aseablue.com, because Jason Markham and the fellas put every episode of Believe in Kentucky on their site. They post it on the website. They tweet it out. You can put it on the Facebook page as well. So we appreciate them for putting Believe in Kentucky episodes on the website. So BBN, y'all take care. It's been a fun late night. Looking forward to seeing the cats hand on the gators this weekend. Rate, review, subscribe. Give us all five stars. For Angelo Carriero, this is Vinny Hardy. It's been another episode of Believe in Kentucky, and we'll holler at y'all next week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.